It's the final word daily. Adam Collins and Daniel Norcross, day one of the second test match between England and South Africa at Manchester. And Daniel's going to tell us all about it. A great toss to lose in the space of 30 seconds. A great toss to lose. And Dean Elgar electing to do the opposite of what he did at Lords. He saw his side getting bundled out. They lost five by lunch. It was the old firm of Anderson and Broad again. Ollie Robinson, probably the pick of the bowlers. Couple of wickets for Stokes, one for Leach. Everybody contributed and South Africa are bundled out for a paltry 151. We thought it might be same old, same old as England lost their first three wickets for 41. But Johnny Bairstow's stellar form continues and a bizarrely subdued Zach Crawley was there at the close with him. England trail by just 40 with seven wickets in hand. Yeah, so 111 for three at the close of play. The partnership's worth 68 from 88 balls. You mentioned the deficit is 40. Uh, let's start at the end, actually, with Zach Crawley. 17 not out from 77 deliveries, just two boundaries. I doubt Zach Crawley's played any innings in his life where he's only hit two fours in, in 77 balls. But it felt like he made a decision. No matter what, he was getting the stumps. And uh, look, who knows? It might be a bit of a turning point. Sometimes you need to, to gut something out like that to, to free you up to play your shots at a later date. It could be that, couldn't it? I mean, it was exactly not the way he'd been sort of described by Brendan McCullum. We don't expect him to be consistent. We expect him to be a game changer. We expect him to play these innings once in a while that are going to win test matches. Well, he might be winning this test match for England by just staying in and getting that ball to be soft. Stuart Broad spoke after the close of play to me about how the balls were. I asked a pretty innocuous question. Uh, you know, are, are the balls still not quite as good? We, we couldn't really tell from Lords. He said, they're rubbish, to be honest. Uh, it does nothing. <laughs> it explains, he says, why their tactic is to bang it in short the moment they see the tail because they see the tail when about 35 overs, 40 overs have been bowled. So that's all they think they can extract from the pitch and from that ball. Uh, it was... I, I, what's happened here is that England have actually batted for quite a few overs. I mean, they've batted over, what is it, around about 30 overs. So starting again tomorrow, if they can see off the first 10 or 15 overs, according to Broad's logic, that is going to massively negate the, the threats, really, of what is a faster attack, definitely a faster attack. I'm not sure it's a more accurate attack. You know, when 51 came up, the partnership was 51, the highest partnership of the match, and bearing in mind that uh, England in the last test match didn't have a partnership that lasted more than nine and a half overs. This was something quite stellar. Uh, 20 of those 51 was, were extras. 27 mm. had been scored by Bairstow and four had been scored by Crawley, which is a measure <laughs> of just how subdued, uh, how patient Crawley had been. It's a very different type of Crawley to watch. It's a bit unnerving. So you mentioned Broad, uh, he took three wickets, uh, two in the first session, one in the second. Anderson took three as well, the old firm back together again, albeit not taking the new ball. It would have been the 200th time uh, in a test match they'd taken the new ball together, it's the 200th innings. Instead, it was the first time since 2010 that they hadn't. So uh, they went with Ollie Robinson, who bowled, I thought, beautifully off the top. He should have taken a wicket with a catch at forward short leg, a brilliant one from Ollie Pope, but he overstepped, so uh, they had to um, uh, go again. It didn't cost them too many runs because Broad got Elgar out a couple of overs later. But just when there was a, a sense that uh, there was going to be, well, I mean, about Broad, position, let's not overdo it here, but you know, the, the drum beat was starting a wee bit, I think, at Lords last week, Daniel, rightly or wrongly, uh, and he responded in style today uh, to really open up uh, South Africa's middle order. Well, he really did, didn't he? Uh, and you're right, there was a, quite a few takes about how Broad's got to go, if you bring Anderson back, uh, Robinson rather, back in, then it's got to be Broad who makes way, but 
you know, he's proved time and time again his potency, particularly against left-handers, is absolutely key. Oh, yeah. And there are a couple of left-handers at the top of South Africa's order, which I suppose is partly why it's a little odd he didn't take the new ball. But then looking at the way Robinson bowled, and they'll have seen him a lot in the nets. You know, he was... He just looked fitter. He looked leaner. He was bowling so yeah. much faster. The speed gun had Robinson bowling 85, 86, 86 miles an hour at times. Now, the Robinson that was even very effective last summer, he was very effective at about 81, 82. You know, he was like a kind of tall Mohammed Asif. He was getting late movement off the pitch. He was going to get to nibble both ways, sometimes not really knowing himself which way it was going to go. That was his potency. But today he bowled some genuinely quick balls. I mean, Old Trafford is a genuinely quick pitch usually uh, but we did see how it slowed down once that ball got older I, I thought Robinson actually was the pick of the bowlers and it was notable wasn't it after lunch uh, when you put on your best bowlers Robinson was summoned for another uh, for another spell he took his wicket from the James Anderson end he'd been bowling from the Brian Statham end uh, which is sort of the commentary box end but he came back at the end and, and finished off the tail or helped to finish off the tail uh, he, he just makes England's bowling attack so much more potent because of the relentlessness of it. And, and it was very surprising, actually, that he went for three and a half and over. A, a lot of them were false shots or edges. So, you know, if you're picking up your paper tomorrow or even if you don't do that, you go online to read it. Uh, don't be <laughs> fooled by his figures. His figures, they did the opposite of flattering to deceive. They, dece- they, they deceived to flatter. Is that right? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is. It's <laughs> close. It's close. Yeah, 14 <laughs> overs, no maidens, one for 48. And that wicket came at the first ball after the tea break, just when South Africa were putting something of a partnership together. But they were well and truly opened up by them. Just to go back to broad for a moment, Daniel, that, that set up to Dean Elgar. Two leg before shouts, round the wicket to the left-hander. It reminded me of the way he was so effective against David Warner a couple of summers ago, three summers ago, including at Old Trafford where he picked him up twice, where he was beating Elgar on the inside edge and then to complete the over, same angle, nibbling it away. And Broad made the observation talking to Ian Ward on Sky at Stumps that he and Jimmy had a conversation after about three overs where Jimmy said, look, the ball's not swinging, but I'm getting a little bit of nip. I want to go the wobble seam today. And that was borne out in the data that Crickviz collects. It was um, deviating by by one degree and on average that is and that's by some margin the most that it's deviated at any of the test matches played in England so far this summer so they, they worked out quite quickly what the conditions were they summed it up as veterans should and then they both took full advantage M- more so broad before lunch and then Anderson was excellent in his spell after lunch to, to get them into the lower middle order yeah that's exactly what happened and they were assisted by the fact that the pitch had a bit of juice in it I mean if you were here yeah you would have you would have raised a very, very large eyebrow at Dean Elgar's decision to bat because it was <laughs> sultry. I mean, there was rain overnight, not that unusual in Manchester, but it was quite warm um, and it just mm. felt muggy. And you knew that the pitch, I mean, it, was, it wouldn't have been uncovered, but it just had that sense of dampness, dampness in the air as well, which was bound to translate itself into just keeping the pitch a bit more juicy. They would have watered it beforehand because it's been so dry. So if there was going to be any lateral movement, and I think Andy Zoltzman on TMS said that England were getting twice as much deviation as South Africa. And bear in mind that these South African seamers are very, very good operators. You know, and Gidi, Rabada, mm. and uh, the incredibly pacey Norkia, they, they make things happen. If there's some life at a pitch, they'll find it. Uh, they found less than England did. Part of that was, was the, the time of day. But part of it was, as you say, the canniness of England's lengths. The first couple of overs with the actual new ball with the lacquer on, not so much. But I'm starting to think, actually, that England bowl it slightly deliberately shorter for the first few overs until they actually get the lacquer off. And only then mm. do they try to actually get that, that slightly fuller length, which was so troubling. 
Uh, well, it's that, it's that wobble, Sam, isn't it? We spoke about it a lot on commentary last year during the England-India series that Robinson's a, an expert at the wobble, Sam, and he's tall as well, which seems to help with it. Um, Broad's been doing it for years, and Anderson likewise. So, like, that trio are really well suited to those conditions. And, and later in the day, I mean, the South African seam attack at one stage had England, what was it, 34 for three, I think it 40, was? 41, when, 40, 41, um, for, 41 for three, England for, were. 41 for three, sorry. And that was when, you know, Root... Uh, Nick's behind uh, from the bowling of Rabada. Pope gets uh, another lightning delivery from Nokia through the gate, edged on or chopped on just about for 23. And Lee's got a beauty from the ever underrated Ngidi. I can't believe Ngidi's only playing his 15th test match, by the way. It feels like he's been around forever, but it speaks volumes about the strength of South Africa. They can leave out Marco Janssen, their best swing bowler, in favour of Simon Harmer on the basis that they'll bowl fourth. They were duty bound to bat first after picking two spinners. You can't have two spinners on the team sheet and then bowl first, which which might or certainly would have informed the decision that you're referring to there. So um, Harmer got one over before the close of play, but really it was advantage England who wanted to bowl first at Lords, didn't get the opportunity to do so. And then mentioned that Anderson off the top was on a hat trick after lunch. And uh, Broad said after play that he went up to Jimmy and said, um, well, when I took my two test hat tricks, uh, <laughs> I just bowled them full and straight. You should do the same thing. And it didn't quite come off for Anderson. And he, he's still yet to get a five wicket haul at his home ground there, in, there at Manchester. But um, nevertheless, uh, the veteran and keeps on keeping on. Yeah, well, he doesn't need a name on the honours board when he's got a name on a stand. You know, <laughs> basically, <laughs> he's got a whole end. He doesn't need an honours board. Uh, yeah, his hat-trick ball, I think he would uh, gladly accept, was one of the worst balls he bowled all day. <laughs> it just flew down the leg side. It was uh, it was miserable. Tried to bowl it forward straight, like Stuart said. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. Mm. Uh, but, you know, Phil Tufter was on commentary with this as well, and he made the point, as did Vernon Philander, that it's very dry out there. So, at the moment... South Africa's decisions all look to have backfired. Bat first, play two spinners. But a couple of early wickets, England have got a very long tail. And if they can, yeah. keep, if they can keep England to a lead of 50-60 and get England's bowlers back out there very quickly, then the dryness in the, in the fourth innings could very much come into play. We haven't seen a lot in the way of turn, but Harmer and Maharaj... Well, they're oh, they're up there with with the two the best spinning combinations in the world right now. So, uh, it's going to be it's such we always say it, but it's going to be such a crucial passage of play to see if England can get ahead without losing uh, well more than one more wicket and get that ball to be softer and therefore get that lead to be large enough so that they can then put real pressure on South Africa's second innings because you know anything above 150 to chase on a pitch that's getting drier and drier. It's going to be a handful against Simon Harmer and Keshav Maharaj. Mm. Yeah, which is exactly what South Africa were able to do on day three last week, right? Get the lead just yeah. enough that they were able to put full pressure on in the third innings of the Test match. So miscellaneous before we get to the Hall of Fame, Daniel. We don't often talk about wicket keepers, but a bloody hard day for wicket keeping given the late movement that was being generated by the England seamers. Folks takes a ripper moving to his right off an inside edge to get Anderson's first wicket. And a couple of those takes, especially off broad, that were moving prodigiously well after passing the batter. I mean, you don't often talk about a wicket keeper on day one. Usually that's reserved to doing their best work against spinners on maybe days four and five. But folks was outstanding. And Ben Stokes used himself well too. The captain, so much attention on him during the week with his documentary coming out today on Amazon and all the rest of it. And so many stories swirling around about the coverage of Bristol 2017 and, and all of that. But um, Stokes got two wickets before lunch, uh, a poor shot from Markram, and then a 50-50 decision. Not even that. I mean, Ooh. he was lucky to get Van Der Dusen on, on two umpires' calls. Most of those are going the way of the batter. But as ever, Ben Stokes influential with the ball.
yeah i mean that's not 50 50 that's like one in 10 because it yeah, was so yeah. it was so marginal on umpire's call i mean it was the tiniest part of the ball on impact uh, outside the off stump and it was a tiniest part of the ball hitting the top of middle stump so uh, you take a, a little bit of luck and conversely South Africa had the opposite didn't they they had an umpire's call not given which which hit bang mm. in front and a fair bit of the ball was shown to be hitting the stumps so you know in that sense England definitely had the rub of the green but Stokes did use himself wise he's having a, a pretty good summer with the ball you know uh, we wondered if, about his bowling effectiveness coming into this summer but what's that now I think it's 13 wickets this summer which is for your fourth seamer uh, a really helpful contribution isn't it especially when you look at mm, how Pops absolutely. started the summer and how Anderson and Broad who have both now got over 20 wickets for the summer 21 each I think it is uh, they just keep on keeping on and it's uh, it's a very handy thing to have I, I do think that Robinson is such a vital part of this attack though because his control is extraordinary I mean he really does bash out a length time and time and time again and when you've got Anderson, who's got that control, as well as Robinson with that control, and suddenly it means that Stokes can use himself in a kind of shock capacity or a try-things capacity. Because he, he can't sit still, Stokes. I mean, there, was, uh, there were a couple of balls that were played by Rabada up to mid-off, and he instantly became upset with this. So he put in, he put in like an under-11s mid-off and mid-on. They were standing... <laughs> you know, right on the crease line, if you like, because uh, it just has to change instantly. And Stokes can then use himself to try out these funky things while his seasoned bowlers, his more veteran bowlers, can just plug away at doing what they do. And uh, that was like a, 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 key, right. a key factor today. Yeah, and, and to back over one extra point uh, from before, I mean, Robinson's bowling a yard quicker. If you go from 81 mile an hour to 86 mile an hour, that's, that, you know, at this level, that's a, that's a considerable difference. So he's leaner, as you pointed out. He looks better through the crease. I like his lackadaisical appeals, by the way. He just kind of throws the arm up and hopes for the best. Mm. One of those went his way uh, just after tea, and he did get himself in the book before the job was done. And I didn't mention that Johnny Bairstow, by the way, he's on 38 not out from 45 deliveries, having already struck six boundaries. So uh, Bairstow, who was the man of the moment during the New Zealand series, he missed out uh, last week in the first test, back in good nick today. Now, Daniel, let's go to the final word, Hall of Fame. The final word Hall of Fame during these daily shows, of course, is always brought to you by the Advanced Hair Studio. The world leaders in hair restoration. One million people have been through the Advanced Hair Studio across three decades. 100% guarantee on the service and a 15% discount because you're friends with us. AdvancedHairStudio.com forward slash final word. That's all in the show notes. Uh, Daniel, we've, uh, as we said before, they're with us all the way through the series and uh, we're looking forward to getting you in there soon enough as well. Uh, yeah, I'd like to get in there. I'd like to get in there with Jack Leach, actually. I mean, I'd, lo <laughs> I'd love to know what Jack, what, what we could do with Jack Leach uh, because that could completely trans we could transform him. I mean, he has a certain kind of wonderful eccentric charm, but I, I think if we could give him an Andy Zaltzman haircut, that would be something else. Well, yeah, I do think you're right about Leach and his lid, but that's a, probably a conversation for another time. But uh, I, I think that, um, that that he is now a mainstay in this England team. He's going to be on TV a lot more. He might want to get his hair sorted out in the off-season. We'll see. TheAdvancedHairStudio.com forward slash final word. Daniel, you open yeah. the batting on the final word Hall of Fame. What you got today? Well, actually, my Hall of Fame is something that didn't happen. Um, but it was, it was due to happen. So... Uh, about five minutes after six, the game was scheduled to end at 6.30, camera panned up to the changing room. Oh, and, yeah. And there was Stuart Broad in his uh, pads. And a man less like a, a night watcher 
Uh, it's hard to imagine. And I interviewed him after his close of play. I said, uh, you know, elephant in the room, you've got your pads on. He said, uh, yeah, I, I, not a night watch, a night hawk. And the idea was that if they lost the wicket then, they would feel that they needed to fight back, that they need to counterattack. And so he would come in, fling the bat like a lunatic. Well, you know, basically do what Stuart Broad always does. And if it comes off, they'll get 20 or 30 runs, which would just push things back, especially in a low-scoring game. But if he got out, then Jack Leach was padded up to come in and do the night watcher. Ah, right. Now now that I'm interested in. So I'm interested in this because I was pretty critical sitting on the sofa saying, you know, with 15 minutes to go, if Broad gets out here... If he goes into bat, that is, and then gets out quickly because, you know, that can happen if you're swinging from ball one, then they're in a spot of bother. I mean, who do they send out at Mm. five down having lost two quick wickets before the close? But in a way, I'm encouraged by the fact that they had a contingency for that because otherwise, I'm not sure this was was necessarily the right time for the the night hawk that we're yet to see deployed. They've talked about it throughout the New Zealand series and Broad wasn't called upon, but I see that 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 has solved that. So Jack Leach was ready to roll if called upon. I mentioned one earlier, um, Daniel, about the forward short leg being involved early on. Great catch from Ollie Pope. Uh, We don't see enough of that these days. I mean, that was a position that you would see, well, so many wickets in the 80s and 90s with seamers early on, with inside edge, bat pad opportunity um, in close under the lid. Um, That position is out of fashion, but uh, maybe Ollie Robinson could bring it back for us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he actually could do, couldn't he? Because it happened a couple of times. And it was a brilliant, brilliant catch from Ollie Pope. But to get, oh, to do it on a noble, England bowled a lot of nobles today. I think it was a six, at least six nobles, yeah. maybe more. Uh, and they've got to watch out for this because, look, Stuart Broad got England out of trouble by getting Dean Elgar, as you, as you pointed out, very soon after. But Dean Elgar's not the kind of man you want to be getting out more than once. He, he's a sticky customer. So... Yeah, don't do that. Stop bowling no balls. England have got a, a lot of previous with this. Uh, David Warner in an Ashes series back in 2017-18. Steve Smith at a crucial moment off Jack Leach of all people. So every single one of their bowlers has got this disease. And uh, they, I think they do need to, to stamp that out if they, if they don't want to end up having to take 13, 14 wickets a day. A few other bits and bobs from me. The fact that Jimmy was on a hat-trick on one day I wasn't at the cricket. Imagine he took it today. That would have been fitting. Um, I've got a view about the, the national anthem as well, Daniel. They're singing it too low. I reckon, I meant to mention this at Lords last week. They've got an entire octave to go. Uh, if they <laughs> want to go up the register, I think the England team have it in them. It's going to take some bold leadership from somebody. Maybe it might be Stuart Broad, ever the entertainer, um, who might uh, push a little bit harder in the third test match in a couple of weeks. At your home ground, the Oval. Uh, let's leave it there. So England trailing uh, by 40 runs, but they've had a good day. 13 wickets taken at Old Trafford uh, in the opening exchanges. All of our coverage on the daily shows on the final word is thanks to the Advanced Hair Studio, the world leaders in hair restoration, advancedhairstudio.com forward slash final word. We'll do it all again tomorrow. Adam Collins and Daniel Norcross. Good night. Good night. I had to go about it.